little girl was talking to her teacher about whales. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being because even though a whale is very large, a very large mammal, its throat was very small. The little girl stated that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Irritated, the teacher reiterated that a whale could not swallow a human. It's physically impossible. The little girl said, when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah. The teacher asked, what if Jonah went to hell? The little girl replied, then you ask him. <laughs> Don't mess with kids. A Sunday school teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments with her five and six-year-olds. After explaining the commandment to honor your father and mother, she asked, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? Without missing a beat, a little boy, the eldest of the family, answered, Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> Can you handle one more? <laughs> You'll try. One day, a little girl was sitting and watching her mother do the dishes at the kitchen sink. She suddenly noticed that her mother had several strands of white hair sticking out in contrast on her brunette head. She looked at her mother, inquisitively asked, why are some of your hairs white, Mom? Her mother replied, well, every time that you do something wrong or make me cry or unhappy, one of my hairs turns white. The little girl thought about this revelation for a while and then said, Mommy, how come all of Grandma's hairs are white? I'm beginning a new series today, and ultimately where I'm going with this is I, I want to talk about generosity, the spirit of generosity, based on the principles of the kingdom, the principles of God's word. The key to generosity begins with simple obedience. My wife got after me the other day and said, you know, you don't really ever talk about money anymore except, you know, you share a scripture when you take the offering. And, you know, I used to, every uh, November, because we took an offering at the end of November that we would give to the community, to the Christian Aid Center, to organizations in the community that are doing good things for people, I, I would take that month and I would talk about money, but I, I actually haven't done that for a number of years. And uh, I, I've probably not preached a, a message specifically about money for several years. But, but I want you to understand how the kingdom works. I want you to experience God's provision and God's resources. And the stewarding well of our natural resources is what positions us to steward well spiritual resources. Now, I'm going to show you that in the scriptures, but uh, in a few minutes. You know, one time I spent nine weeks, nine messages talking about the culture of honor, learning to be a people of honor, learning that honor releases life. Honor is the key to, to, to the spiritual inheritance. But as important as honoring one another is, we, we mustn't leave out honoring God. And one of the ways that we honor God is with our giving. And, and what we are talking about today, it, it's, it's a heart issue. All kingdom issues 
our heart issues. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So there's the, there's the command, but there's a promise that is tied with it. Uh, so your barns will be filled with plenty, versiculo dies, and your vats will overflow with new wine. So he says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with all the first fruits, or with, with the first fruits of all your increase. And see, one of the significant ways that we honor God, that we acknowledge his place in our lives is with our increase. The resources that he brings into our lives to take the first fruits of it and give it back to God, acknowledging that he is our source. This is one of the ways that we honor God. The first fruits, not the leftovers, not if there's enough left over, but the first fruits. That implies that, that, that we honor God first in our lives. And the promise that goes with this as a result of honoring God this way, he says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your bats will overflow with new wine. Now let me clarify with another scripture that the, when the Bible talks about first fruits, it's talking about the tithe or, or 10%. 2 Chronicles 31 verse 5, as soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine and oil uh, of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. So they, they brought in abundantly the first fruits. They brought in abundantly the tithe. The first fruits is the tithe. And see, the biblical concept, which comes out of Leviticus 27.30, is this. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And let me read that. Leviticus 27.30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. All of the tithe belongs to him. God taught the nation of Israel what, that, that, what, what belongs to him of the increase that, it, that he brought in their lives, taking the first fruit of it and giving it back to him. We are honoring him by giving him what belongs to him. Now, I'm a, I remember being a kid. How many got an allowance when you lived at home? Yeah, you know, and usually there were chores associated with that. Like, you know, I, I used to have to make my bed and take out the garbage, not just in my room, but the garbage in the whole house. And then when I started mowing the lawn, my allowance went up. And, but my dad taught me because he, he, was, he was a giver. And, and he just really believed in honoring God. And so he taught me, I remember I got a dollar allowance and he, he taught me to tithe 10 cents. Now, I have to be honest with you, I wasn't saved. I didn't know the Lord. I didn't carry the conviction that he carried. So sometimes it got there, sometimes it didn't. You know, it, that's just the way it was. But when I got saved, I'm living in the, in the basement of my parents. Now, I, I have some financial obligations, but, but I'm, I'm living at home. I'm living in my parents' house. But four months after I got saved, I realized that I, I got a conviction 
about this whole area. And I thought, I'm going to always take the first 10% of, of what God brings into my life, and I'm going to honor God with that. I'm going to worship God with it. And I remember further down the road, now, I've, now I've, I'm not living at home anymore. I bought a house. I, I sold that house. I bought another house. The payment on the second house was quite a bit more than the payment on the first house. And I went through this season where everything was really tight. And uh, I remember I would get my paycheck, and I would write my tight check. And, well, let me just give you an example of one time. I'm working in the grocery business, and I, uh, I got my paycheck, and, and I, this was way before electronic deposit stuff. Like, you got your paycheck, you went and took it to the bank and put it in the bank. And so I did that, and then I stopped home, and I paid my bills, and I was able to pay all my bills, but I, I didn't have money for food or gas. How many know that's not a good thing? And so I, I remember driving back to work, and I'm, I'm praying, I said, Lord, I need $100 to get to my next paycheck. Now, I want you to know that 40 years ago, $100 went a lot farther than it did now. Like you could fill up your tank for six or seven bucks, you know? And uh, I remember, you know, praying on the way back to, back to work, saying, God, I need $100. So at that time, I'm working in the produce department at Fleener's Southgate. And I, I, I'm, I'm back trimming lettuce. I'm, I'm trimming lettuce, getting ready to put it out on the rack. And this brother walks in. And he starts talking to me. And, and he finally, he reached in his pocket and he said, God told me to give this to you. And he hands me a $50 bill. Now, I am beyond excited. Like, it was all I could do to keep from screaming, he knows me. He hears my prayers. He knows where I live. He knows where I work. You know, that's what I felt like doing. I didn't quite do that, but I, it was sure going on inside of me, and then I, uh, but the guy just kept hanging, hanging around, hanging around, and finally, he said, you know, he said, God really told me to give you a hundred dollars, here's the other 50. <laughs> now, I feel like, I feel like running around the whole store. I, I was so excited in my spirit, and I remember getting off of work, walking to my car, thinking, I prayed for $100, and it manifested. I, I, I'll tell you what I did. I was reaching in to grab my keys, and I felt it. I thought, I prayed for $100, and it manifested. It's in my pocket. I thought, this is amazing. I could tell you a lot of stories. I'm not going to take the time to do that. But the, the, the scripture in Leviticus says the tithe is the Lord's. We honor him by giving him what he says belongs to him. And see, giving is an essential part of our worship to God. When we tithe, we are, we are giving an important part of ourselves to God. We are giving him of our skills, our talents, our labor, and time, our energy, and strength. Tithing is a biblical way to acknowledge God's place in our lives and bring the area of our finances under his lordship. 
I remember one time I, <clears throat> I, I got my paycheck. I, I would always write my tie check first, then I'd do the other stuff, and, and we're, we're doing pretty good. But, but I ordered a quart of wood. Now, this will tell you how long ago it was, too. Uh, it cost $35 for a quart of wood or 40 for really good wood. Well, I had a quart of tamarack coming, and it was going to be 40 bucks, and I didn't have 40 bucks. I had money for gas, I had money for food and, and all of those things, but I thought, Lord, I need 40 bucks. What, I don't know when it's going to be delivered, but it could be here any time now. And I remember saying, Lord, we, we had family devotions. I don't know if you would have remembered this, Paul, or not. But we had family devotions, and I asked for $40. And about two days later, this guy walks up to me, and he hands me an envelope. Guess what's in it? You know, if it would have been 50 bucks, I don't know, but, but it was two $20 bills. And I'm just thinking, God, this is amazing! You know, I, I will, now understand, I don't work for the church. I'm not a pastor on staff or anything like that. I'm, I'm a grocery guy, and then I became a Frito-Lay guy. But I was so excited about this dimension I was experiencing that, that I was sharing it at my church. At, maybe not every Sunday, but almost every Sunday, I had a testimony of what God did and how God provided and met my needs and other pastors in Walla Walla, in Milton Freewater, in Dayton, they said, can you come and share in my church? Because they were uncomfortable talking about money. And I'm thinking, you've got to tell your people about this. You've got to share with them about making Jesus Lord of that area of their lives that they can actually step out of the economy of the world and step into the economy of God. When, when you tithe, you're declaring that you're not subject to the world's economy, but you are subjecting yourself to God's economy. It's a declaration of independence from the world's economic system and a de declaration of your dependence on the, on the economy of God. Now, I personally believe that the new covenant, in, in the new covenant, we are called to operate in a spirit of generosity. And it's a generosity that's much greater than the tithe. God, God wants you to be a channel to, to pour his blessings through. Tithing is just like this beginning place of stepping into it. it it's the starting place of making Jesus Lord of the finances and activating the principles of the kingdom. You know, there's something very important that we need to see, and it has to do with this whole area of money. How many of you have discovered that you actually need money? How many of you like eating? Yeah, staying someplace? Jesus, did you know Jesus had a lot to say about money? He talked about the proper attitude towards it. He talked about being a faithful or, or good steward of it. Did you know Jesus actually talked more about money than he did about heaven? Which is interesting. Why would he do that? Why does money have such significance? Because how we handle money has spiritual ramifications. 
Well, what I'm going to show you today from the scriptures is that our treatment of money, our stewardship of money actually reflects our spirituality. And it determines the amount of true riches God will entrust us with. Now, let me say that again. Our stewardship of money reflects the level of our spirituality. It's an area, a testing ground, if you will, that we need to be found faithful in if we want to steward true riches. Now, let's look at that in the scriptures. I'm reading Luke chapter 16, verse 10. What, what Jesus said here is found in, in a number of places throughout the Bible. It's a spiritual principle. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So the, the, the biblical principle is this. If you are faithful with little, you will be given and entrusted with more. If you are unfaithful with little, you would also be unfaithful with much. Now, this next verse tells us that he's talking about money. He's talking about this, the stewarding of money, verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Faithfulness with money puts us in a place where God will entrust us with true riches. It's like a measuring stick that God uses to see whether we're ready to embrace real responsibility in the kingdom. How we handle steward money reflects our spirituality. Do you know when, when Bill Johnson accepted the pastorate at Bethel Church in Redding, California, his first month there, new pastor, his first month there, he preached on tithing and the stewarding of money. Now, isn't that a crazy thing for a brand new to the church pastor to preach on? But his thinking was this. If we don't get this as a church, how to steward and handle money we're not going to be entrusted with much else. We're talking about being faithful in the area of natural stewardship. Do you remember the story about the servant? He was entrusted with a mina of his master's wealth. Now, a mina was equivalent to three months' wages. And when his master returned, he said to the master, your mina has earned ten minas. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful over a little, have authority over ten cities. Now we're talking about spiritual authority. Now we're talking about people's lives. We're talking about true riches. Now the biblical principle concerning faithfulness is this. It's in your notes. When you are faithful with little, you will be given more. When you have been found faithful with what may seem like little, because of your faithfulness, God will increase it. The way we experience breakthrough in the financial area is to be a good steward of what we have. 
What does it mean to be a good steward of our finances? I believe it's twofold. Number one, we give to God what he says belongs to him. That is, we honor God with the first fruits of our increase. You know, that, that puts a very interesting perspective on the words of Jesus when he said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but unto God what belongs to him. Luke 20, verse 25. I'm sorry, that's not in the notes. When I give God the first fruits of my increase, that is a declaration of financial dependence on God and bringing this area of my life, the financial area, under his lordship. What does it mean to be a good steward of our finances? Number one, giving God what he says belongs to him. But number two is also very important. We learn to live within our means. Now, the interesting thing is that a lot of society doesn't embrace that part at all. It, it, to live within our means. It means that we don't spend more than we take in. It means that we don't position ourselves to struggle under debt. The, the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. We, we don't put ourselves into, into servitude. Now, you don't, you don't have to live within your means. You don't have to. You know, if you're like me, I get credit card offers in the mail or even in email every other day. You know, I, I'm always getting those things. And, and so you don't have to live within your means in our culture today. But if you don't, it will eventually catch up with you. And you are violating a principle that has to do with stewarding the stewarding well of money, living within your means. So what am I saying? Faithfulness is not just tithing or honoring God with the first fruits of our increase, but it's also learning to live within our means. And if you are faithful with little, you will be given more. If you are a good steward of what you have, what you have will increase. If you're not faithful with little, the truth is, you would not be faithful with much. You know, people that say, well, <clears throat> you know, I would tithe if I had more money. Actually, that's not true. You wouldn't. This is not a money issue. It's a heart issue. Because the heart issue relating to money has not been settled in your heart. This, this area has not come under the lordship of Jesus yet. It wouldn't matter how much money you had, there would always be an excuse not to. You know, some Christians have, have difficulty hearing about the area of money. Pastor, please talk about something else. Even when it's shared from a, a biblical perspective. What that means is, it's an unsettled issue in their heart. This issue of money has not been settled in their heart yet. Do you, do you remember before you got saved, somebody would talk about Jesus, and you just wish they would shut up? Does anybody remember that? You, you would turn on the TV and somebody would be preaching. You either change the channel or you turn the TV off. 
It made you uncomfortable. The reason was this, because you had not settled that issue in your heart about surrendering your life to God yet. You, you've not recognized and embraced your Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and it was always uncomfortable to hear somebody talking about the message of salvation. But after you got saved, after you settled that hard issue, it didn't bother you anymore at all. You understood it. You even appreciated it. You rejoiced at the sharing of the gospel message because that issue was settled in your heart. If the mention of money causes you to be uncomfortable, it means that the issue has not been settled in your heart yet. And externally, you're probably having some financial dynamics issues, which in, in, in your mind maybe further justifies your stance. But the reason your finances aren't working like they're supposed to, it has to do with surrender. It has to do with acknowledging God in our lives. And the truth is, God wants to bring each one of us into a place way beyond that, to where we, we, we have an abundance for every good work. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work, where you have more than enough, and you're able to pour out into other people's lives. That's where he's taking us. That's the journey. And simple obedience is what gets us on, into that place. I love the heart that my dad had because he, he way more than tithed to his local church, but he was also, he had certain passions about certain organizations, Christian organizations, and what they were doing that he was always sowing into. I, I know many people that maybe had experienced a difficulty in their life and my dad would knock on their door and drop off hundreds of dollars sometimes because, because he just had a heart to be a blessing. And see, the Bible says, blessed, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, when you're on the receiving end, it's pretty blessed. When you're hurting and someone comes and, and you realize God heard your, your prayer, that's pretty blessed. But the most blessed person in that scenario is the one that God uses to, to stop misfortune in the life of somebody else. The, the, the most blessed person is the one that God used to, to be a blessing to that person. See, that's, what, that's where God's taking us. He wants you to be the most blessed person. He wants to use you to minister to other people. But it begins as we start activating the principles of the kingdom. Now, please listen to me about what, I, what I'm about to say. Tithing doesn't make you right with God. Faith in Jesus Christ makes you right with God. This has nothing to do with getting right with God. This has nothing to do with going to heaven. This is about living on earth right now. This is about understanding how the kingdom operates. This is about discovering and implementing kingdom principles. Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, tithing was under the law. And, you know, we're not under the law. I just want to say this. 
Don't let the enemy put you in a place where you are cut off from something that brings God's blessing into your life. Two days ago, I was sitting in my office visiting with someone, and they were talking about a time in their life when it was really hard. They had lost their job, and, and because the company kind of went under, they, they ended up not getting paid for, you know, I don't know how long, but maybe a few weeks of work, and, and they're heading into Christmas, and it's December 23rd, and they don't have anything for Christmas. They've got two kids, but they were tithers. They honored the Lord in their, in their giving, the first fruits of their increase. So they prayed, December 23rd, God, we just want to have a, a good Christmas for our kids. Father, we just ask for your intervention. December 24th, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, someone knocks on their door, hands them an envelope. Inside that envelope was a cashier's check for $500. So at 3 p.m. on Sunday afternoon, they took off Christmas shopping. And his testimony was it was the best Christmas we had ever had. See, when I make Jesus Lord of my finances, my financial problems become his financial problems. My, the things that I'm walking through, he's walking through those things with me. In Genesis uh, 14, before Moses and the law ever existed, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Tithing existed before the law. I believe that God incorporated it into the law as a means of blessing the nation of Israel. God taught them to do the things that would release his blessing into their lives. It was not a product of the law. It is a principle that existed before the law, the law of sowing and reaping, of seed time and harvest, Genesis chapter 8, way before the law. Now, there, there are some... Okay, the light's flashing back there. It means I'm talking too fast. Too fast to be translated into Spanish. I'm slowing down. If, uh, Ryan, if I get talking fast, you know that tranquilizer gun I told you about? Grab it, just shoot me once, and I'll, I'll really slow down. It, it, it really works. Now, there's, there are some powerful promises in Scripture in relation to honoring God with our tithes and offerings. When we honor God by obeying him in this area, he honors us by fulfilling his word in our lives. And I, I want to look at one powerful passage that makes, a prom that makes a promise to us. When God makes a promise, he's not kidding. He wants you to take him up on that promise and believe him for it. Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Are you guys doing okay? What time is it? Wow, okay, we're good. We're good. Verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will rebuke the enemy for you. You will no longer be in a place 
where he can mess with you and you won't have to stand against him. I will rebuke him for you. Bring your tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Where, where are we to bring our tithe? To the place that we are being spiritually fed. The place that we are receiving our spiritual nourishment. The, the local church is the storehouse. And we are invited, I love this, it's the only area that I'm aware of where we're invited to test God in. To see if it isn't true what he declared. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings, so many blessings, that you will not have room enough to receive them, and I will rebuke the devourer for you. Wow. Now, that, that's a promise to the tither. Now, not, not to the person that would like to be a tither, or not to the person that would tithe that they only had more money. This is a promise to the tither. To the person who honors God by simple obedience, this is what God promises to do in their lives, to open the windows of heaven and pour blessings on them. You know, the words, words are designed to paint pictures. And when you read your Bible, those words are designed to paint a picture on the canvas of your heart. And when that picture is complete, faith is not a problem. Faith is not a problem. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And when Lagos becomes Rhema, faith is there. When we get his promises, his word inside of us. You know, there, there are Christians today that are, that are living in financial captivity. And, and some of them, it's not that they don't have any money, because they do, but they've, they, they've kind of excused themselves from this area. They, 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 they don't realize that they've shot themselves in the foot. The very thing that God designed to break them out of captivity, they have hardened their heart to. So let's, let's read that promise again. Let, let, let the words of Scripture begin to paint a picture in your heart. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out for you so much blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. When you are obedient, when, when you've done your part, there's nothing wrong with believing God to fulfill his word in our lives. Well, we, we should just give to God and expect nothing in return. It's never wrong to believe the promise of God. It's never wrong to take him at what he says in his, at his word. In fact, let me just say it out loud. It's wrong not to. It's called unbelief. So this is a heart issue that, that as it's settled in our heart, it's kind of like when you got saved, all of a sudden you just rejoiced at the gospel. But when, when this heart issue regarding finances happens, something settles in, and it's amazing because you've actually stepped into a breakthrough. You, you've stepped into the, the principles of the kingdom that release breakthrough into our lives. Worship team, come. Great songs today. You can pick any of them. You're, you're trusting God to get you into eternity. Through your faith in Jesus Christ. How many would say that's me? I'm trusting God to get me into heaven. And, and, and you're, you're trusting him in the most important area there is, eternity. But while you are waiting here to get there, 
Are you willing to trust him in the area of your finances? See, see, once this area is under his lordship, and that happens through simple obedience, when you give to God what he says belongs to him, once this area is under his lordship, he steps in and takes responsibility for it. He is your source. He is your provider. He is your God. It's such an amazing place to live. I remember 20-some years ago, Mickey and I are building a house. My dad is helping us. We're the general contractors. And we, we've always been tithers. We've always honored God in the tithe. And what happened was, we're building this house and finances are tight. That They're tight. Now, I, I'm not going to stop tithing, but there was, there was a missionary that came. It was a Wednesday night at the church. And I love missionaries. I think they're amazing. And I love to sow to missionaries so that they can share the gospel in other nations, in other countries. I have a heart for that. I have a passion for that. But things were so tight as we're building this house. I remember saying to the Lord that night, I said, you know me, you know I love missions, but I'm sorry, I don't have any money for that. And uh, it felt like God did this. This is what it felt like. This is, I felt like he went, And so I'm driving home from that meeting, and I'm talking to my wife, and we're, we're just talking about it, and I, I just told her what happened and, and what I thought. And then we're talking about it about two or three days later. And she said, well, I, I think that was God telling us that the way to break out of tightness is to sow. I mean, isn't that what Isaac did? The, the way to, to, to break out of, of, of where you're at is to sow to, to, to take what you need and to sow some of it. The farmer takes the seeds that, that is his livelihood and he sows it so it can have another crop. And so uh, I said, you're right. And so it was just about two weeks later. We're, we're at a Saturday. It's at a luncheon for a couple that they're getting set up, sent out on the mission field. They're not actually going out as missionaries to, well, what they were were teachers, and they wanted to go and teach missionary kids, people that were on the mission field, to be a teacher to their kids. I thought it was awesome. And I remember turning to my wife. Nothing had changed in our finances. I remember turning to her and saying, how much do you think we're supposed to give? And, and she said, she's, we do this sometimes. She said, well, how much did you, you think we're supposed to give? <laughs> and, uh, and I told her the amount. She said, that's exactly what I felt too. And I remember her writing the check, and I remember her so clearly ripping the check out and saying, in your face, devil. <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget it. And, and so we sowed that. And I can't even explain how it happened. I can't even, even explain how things changed because it's not like somebody gave us $1,000 or anything like that. It was just like all of a sudden everything loosened up. And we finished off our house and everything moved forward. There's something about putting into practice the principles of God. But let's stand together. I'd just like us to pray together this morning. We're going to sing a song in worship. Would you pray this with me this morning? Heavenly Father, you are God. And there is no other. 
You desire to be my provider. You desire to be my source. Let this issue be settled in my heart. Once and for all. You have promised to meet all my needs. According to your riches and glory. Jesus, you said. Give, and it will be given to you. I choose to be a giver. To honor you with the first fruits. I choose to step into the kingdom. In this area, I choose to put into practice your kingdom principles for provision, for supply, even for abundance. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the heartbeat of heaven 
heaven let us hear let it rain let it rain open the floodgates of heaven let it rain let it rain open the floodgates of heaven let it rain let it rain open the floodgates of heaven amen such a conviction about what I'm talking to you about today. You know, as a church, we tithe. What I mean is, we send at least 10% of the money that comes in here to missionaries, to organizations that are helping people. I, I just believe that what allowed us to survive the pandemic financially had to do with the fact that we're supporting all these missionaries and stuff, and, and just God was just honoring that. Thank you, Lord. Prayer teams, please come to be available to pray this morning. How many are going to watch the Super Bowl today? Not every hand is going up. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, the truth is, I, uh, I it's the only football game I watch. And, and probably the only reason I do, do it is because it's a family thing. It's just an, it's an excuse to get together with family and hang out. The benediction is Revelations 22, verse 21. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. God bless you, saints. Have a great, great week.